Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, this is RJ Bell's Dream Preview, the college basketball edition. I am AJ Hoffman. He is Griffin Warner. You can find him on the socials at the real underscore G Warner. And Griffin, it is uh, Super Bowl Sunday as we record this. You talk about dedication. A couple dudes just after the Super Bowl, by the way. Fighting it to get to the computer and, and put together a podcast for the people. That's what it's all about. And um, if you ever thought that we weren't dedicated, then I mean, this has to be proof that we are the most dedicated. Um, I don't know anyone else who's doing a college basketball podcast right now. In Nobody. Fact, it, Nobody. It can't be. And if anybody else is, well, they're just idiots because we're idiots. Uh, but we are coming off. A 2-0 and o Best Bet podcast, baby. Take that, idiots. Yeah, idiots. You guys, <laughs> if you're going to be idiots, at least get them right. Right. And, uh, we did get them right, so I'll take it. And we're going to try and get them right again because that's, that's the goal around here. And we've got some, I'm going to say some good, not great matchups this week. Um, That's probably like... We talked about last weekend how college basketball said, let's throw all our best games this weekend uh, because there's no football and we got to take advantage of this. And then they said, okay, after the Super Bowl, the people are fucked. They've only got college basketball. So they're going to watch us no matter what. (laughs) So let's just throw together some crummy matchups and people watch. No big deal. So that's what they did. And and here we are. All right. Let's start in the Big 12 with the Jayhawks at Texas Tech. Jayhawks, um, who I said I am never, ever, ever, ever going to fade them at home. And they do not get a home cover against Baylor. They do get a home win against Baylor, even without Kevin McCuller. And I, when I saw the news that Kevin McCuller was unlikely to play, my brain went, oh, man. Oh, no. Because my instinct was, I've got to bet Baylor here. Like, I've mm. got to bet them at plus six and a half or whatever it was. And um, And then I said, you know what? I can't do it. I cannot do it. I cannot bet against Kansas at home. And this was the one time when I could have, and it would have been the right thing to do. And I was like, I was doing everything I could not to bet Baylor. I was like, oh, well, Langston Love is out. Like somehow Langston Love equals Kevin McCuller. And now it's, oh, it's even. So I'll just leave it alone. But uh, Baylor was, um, it's not like they were in control of that game at any point. In fact, Kansas had a, a pretty big early lead. Um, looking at Ken Palm, the, the largest lead for Baylor in that game that they lost 64 to 61, the largest lead for Baylor was two to zero. So uh, Baylor never really had anything going in that game, but they they did get a cover. So without Kevin McCuller, you see that it's, it's pop, they, they look vulnerable at home. The question is now on the road, are they vulnerable enough? Do we think Kevin McCuller on a short turnaround as this game is tomorrow? Uh, we record, like I said, we're recording this Sunday. So this is a Monday game. Um, do we think that he makes the turnaround in time? Is he good to go? And this is a game that is lined currently Kansas plus two and a half at Texas Tech. 
Uh, is that enough points for Kansas to ruin the home game for the Red Raiders, Griffin? Well, you, you've talked about a lot this year that you felt that Kansas uh, was limited in their depth and talent beyond some very talented figures that they have in their starting lineup. And I think that's been pretty, it's been proven pretty accurate. Uh, I think um, winning without Kevin McCuller is a pretty, I think a good performance though uh, maybe not covering doesn't make it look as good. And, and I'll tell you that I think the amount of times you lay off fading KU at home is probably going to save you money over the long run. Cause while no missing doubt. a bet definitely stings. Unfortunately, in this profession, you really have to win at least 53% of your bets to, to win. That might have been one of those 52 percenters or something like that. So <laughs> um, I think when you go to Fog and you have a first basket lead and that's it for the rest of the game, also not a good sign for covering the spread because most of the time you got to win games to cover unless they're big, big numbers, which that one wasn't. So uh, I wouldn't. Uh, let that one sting too much though I certainly recognize that a lot of the bets I don't place end up winning and those drive me uh, far more insane than the ones that I play and lose which should be different because unfortunately it makes it a lot harder to win as a sports better and that is uh, ultimately I think the ideal thing is play as few games as possible and just win them all but it's not that simple as everyone knows that's listening to this podcast and is involved especially if you're listening to us on Sunday night after the Super Bowl uh, we appreciate your love for the sport of college basketball and it's time to get in because we got March Matt is coming up. We got pools to win. We got a lot of things coming up, so it's going to be a good run. Um, but as for this game, I'm interested in Texas Tech. I've liked them, I think, more than the market for a lot of this season. Uh, that hasn't gone always so well for me. It started early in the year where I had no belief in them whatsoever, and then they got some strong lines against Villanova, then took Butler to overtime at Hinkle. Uh, probably should have won that game, but were unable to cover, and that was I think I was on the other side with Butler, so that was like a really fortunate overtime type cover with the favorite. Um, but I've been fairly impressed with Texas Tech. I, I don't know necessarily that they've really surprised me in a lot of different ways. I mean, they had a huge comeback win against BYU, but it's kind of been a year of um, transition to a new coach and kind of figuring out how to play in the Big 12 with a, a fair amount of new players as well. Um, what we've seen with Can Kansas really over the long term is that they've been awesome uh, wherever they play. They're a little bit uh, easier to get. I mean, they obviously are easier to get away from home because they barely lose and are for, like never underdogs at home as we've already gone over a bunch in this podcast. I, I think um, in terms of McCullough specifically, I don't think if he can, if he's missing a game at home against Baylor um, when certainly the big 12 is not wrapped up by any means or anything like that. And they're still playing for seating and all these other sort of things. Uh, I don't think that he's going to be anywhere near to hundred percent. If he plays at Texas tech, I do feel like this number is a little bit short, um, if he is ruled out, I expect it to climb to three, probably is where we'll go from the two and a half now. Not a huge move. Um, the key numbers aren't so key in college basketball compared to the pro footballs and college footballs of the world type thing. Um, but I, I do feel like KU is the side I would like to be against. I think they're going into a really tough environment. And I think this is a big, big one of those games that Texas Tech circles on their calendar. Um, they're going to stay in the Big 12, and it's important to try to get victories against the forever favorite and forever conference winner, it feels like, in the Big 12 as well. So don't expect a lot from McCullough. Even if he does play, I don't think he's going to be 100%. And I feel like you might see one of those really low O-rating days or a day where he passes a lot more, and then that limits uh, his effectiveness and also makes the rest of Kansas, which is a little bit lower on talent than they have been in the past, have to make more plays. So uh, give me Texas Tech in that one. 
Yeah, this is interesting to me because um, we talk about the depth for Kansas, and Texas Tech doesn't have any either. They're three twenty seventh in bench minutes. Um, my concern for like if you'd asked me about this game three weeks ago, I would have said, yeah, this is a good Texas Tech spot. Uh, but in the last couple of weeks, they've lost at home to Cincinnati, which I don't like. They, you know, they they dr- dropped a few road games. Uh, they didn't exactly put the boots to Central Florida uh, on their home court over the weekend. And I, I, I mean, obviously a tougher game this weekend for Kansas than there was for Texas Tech. And, you know, they're obviously on the road now shorthanded. I, so I think what it boils down to is I'm not going to be backing Kansas but I don't want to be a, be against them here. Um, I, I just don't. I don't like text. I, I think that's kind of something we is we've uh, texted back and forth this season. I think in general you just like Texas Tech more than I do. Sure. Um, I'm I'm not sure. I'm sold on them, and it could be like going back to um, the early season where they were lo- like losing to Villanova, and uh, like I, that was like the only real. I think it was like the only real tough game they played non-conference. And so they built up this big non-conference record uh, on smacking around nobodies. And I don't even know that Villanova is any good. And it was just like, I I don't know how much I'm going to trust this team coming into conference play. And it's not that they've been bad in conference play. I I mean, they've, they've gotten some decent wins. I, I, when they won at Texas to kind of open the, uh, the, the conference season, I was like, Oh, that's, that's a nice win. Um, I believe they won at Oklahoma, yep. um, so they've got some decent wins. They, they've, but I, I'm just not sold that they're any better than like an average Big Twelve team. And if it's just an average Big Twelve team, and I'm laying less than a possession, I, I don't feel or, or I'm I'm uh, I, I'm that's all. Like Kansas is getting points, even I guess I should say that I I don't feel like I'm comfortable enough. Uh, to back the Red Raiders here. So I'm probably sitting this one out. I agree with you that this is a spot for Texas Tech and a spot to be against Kansas. I, I just don't believe in the Red Raiders enough to uh, to back them here. Yeah, I think the – so certainly the Villanova loss uh, has not aged well, and we're going to see a fair amount of that, I think, from teams that are just in a different kind of state earlier in the season and have expectations and haven't really fallen uh, flat on their faces yet. Um, I do think the Butler game, I mean, it doesn't look as close. It's went to overtime. We lost by eight in OT. I but, forgot about that one. Yeah. Uh, but, but that like, but Butler hasn't aged well either. I mean, I feel like that could be a, a commentary in the big East as well. Uh, it, Michigan yeah. didn't help that they've had a disastrous run after some expectations. I feel like early in the season, maybe lower than they had been in the past in Michigan, but to me, Texas tech, and it might be just that I've been higher on them and, um, and still sticking to it. Essentially what I see in this schedule is, uh, they picked up a decent road win at Oklahoma, which was, I think, a, a, a kind of crazy ending. And then they've lost the games you'd expect them to lose away. And then they lost one home game to Cincinnati, which uh, doesn't look great. But there are going to be some blemishes on these teams that are average. They love to shoot threes, and that's going to certainly have a fair amount of variance attached to that game. But what I think especially works here is they're going to sink uh, their their defense significantly on Hunter Dickinson in the post, force him outside, and without McCullough, I think that kind of zaps an important three point shooter for Kansas. So, um, or just even a all threat right. There. Let's uh, let's go to the Big East, which we were just talking about. Maybe a a commentary on the Big East, and particularly the middle of the Big East. And the question here is. Is Marquette in the middle of the Big East, or are they closer to the top of the Big East? And if you go back for the last month, 
it's hard to argue that they are not at the top. They have now won seven straight games. Um, the last time they lost was a home game against Butler. Now they are at Butler. We're going to project this Marquette as about a two-point favorite. Um, Butler's played well recently also. They've won five out of their last six, the only loss being a loss at UConn, which is, I mean, obviously probably the the toughest road trip you can you can take in that conference. Um, I'll, I'll ask you, has Marquette kind of figured something out uh, I, I know you're you're slow to believe in Shaka, um, mm-hmm. but they are they're so fascinating to me because they they push so hard on both ends. Um, they 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 get their they get their shot off very quick, and then they defend. It seems like the entirety of the shot clock. Um, so if their shots are falling, then they're very difficult to beat. And for the most part, at least recently, their shots have been falling. Is there anything you see with Butler that makes you think they can they can slow down uh, this momentum that Marquette has? And, and like for me, when I look at a team like Marquette that I had such high expectations for coming into the season, and now I catch a run like this over the last month, I'm like, okay, they're figuring it out. It's It doesn't feel as phony to me because this is what I expected them to be. Uh, what are your thoughts on this matchup, and do you think Marquette has kind of righted the ship? So seven straight wins certainly looks great for Marquette. Um, I think I'm a little a little bit in a different place for Shaka Smart as a Marquette head coach versus his, his time at Texas. I just feel like it wasn't really a great fit for us nor him, us being a Texas alum, I am. Um, but I feel like it's he's found a really good spot where he can kind of recruit the player that fits into the way he wants to work and the type of level of recruit and things of that nature. And, and Shaka's excelled, and I credit him for that. Maybe he has potentially reinvented Reinvestigate, reestablished himself, or kind of went a little bit about the way he does things a little bit differently than he did at Texas, which you would hope uh, people would grow like that. Got a huge win over Texas in like a revenge spot earlier this year as well. Uh, but when you look at those seven wins, I mean, you got two of the bottom worst teams in the in the Big Ten in there, yep. and then you got two against Villanova as well. So three of the rest, though, winning at St. John's, I mean, that's that's not easy to do. It's not easy to win at DePaul or at Georgetown in that stretch. Uh, but basically swept St. John's, swept Villanova, got uh, a Seton Hall, a good, a good dominant win at home there, and then the bottom of the league. So I'm not sure that I'm sold on them just yet, and I don't love uh, going now on the road to uh, – and they're, you're projecting them as an underdog, uh, Butler, at home to, to yes, Marquette? Yes, very okay. short dog. Short dog. So, like, I mean, Butler's – it's hard to say what to expect from Butler because they – I mean, winning at Creighton was pretty awesome. Uh, they've had a very good run. I mean, with a close win over Providence this weekend. I mean, they've been playing well. It seems like the cream is, is sort of rising to the top in the Big East, though there was a fair amount of turbulence. So, I think a lot of these programs to start the season. Really, the only one that's been consistent to me has been UConn. Um, and that's why they're uh, at some – maybe at the top of all of the uh, college basketball rankings yeah. at this point. But uh, I think Marquette, what they look like to me is a team that can beat anybody. Uh, I just feel like their uh, range of outcomes is a lot wider than you'd expect from a really good team that can beat anybody. Uh, it seems to me that Igadaro is very hard to match up with. I don't really see that Butler will be able to defend him very well. Uh, and that's going to put a lot of pressure on Butler to make a lot of shots or score efficiently. Butler's going to launch a lot of threes uh, or 
that's what Marquette will try to force them to do. Uh, I feel like Butler's kind of not shot as well in conference play, which you'd maybe expect as they start to play better teams. But um, ultimately, if they play a three-point game and make a lot of those shots, that'll be huge. Marquette shoots a lot of them too, but they're not a great shooter. or They're the worst three-point shooting team in this matchup and away. So I'm pretty interested in Butler, especially as a home underdog. It's hard for me to get off home underdogs ultimately. Um, but I am trying to be a little bit more careful or more cautious about fading the best teams in this uh, in this sport we, we watch. Because as I'm learning in some places, yes, the short home dog uh, or short home favorite, um, sometimes they're that way for a reason. Whereas I feel like early in the season, I was getting a lot of value on those type of plays. I felt like I've kind of run into some buzzsaws recently. And Marquette, when they're playing as well as they can and as well as their potential allows them to, uh, they could definitely whop the uh, mop the floor with this this Butler team, but they've also dealt with a bunch of injuries, and I feel like they're not as dynamic or dominant as the Marquette of two, of last season was. So I think I'm interested in Butler here. All right, let's go to the Big Twelve, where we've got an interesting matchup here: Cincinnati off a uh, tough home loss and non cover against Houston. Houston, who was a four and a half point road favorite, won that game by five, even though it was Mm. down to the wire. Uh, They go up against Iowa State, who is coming off a home thrashing of TCU, but now Iowa State on the road. We're going to project this game a pick Iowa at Cincinnati. Um, Obviously, Iowa, we know one of the tougher home courts in the country. How well will their game travel? And this is all about their defense and it's a a matter of can can Cincinnati hang on to the ball uh which seems to be the big problem with teams against Iowa State Iowa State just constantly turning teams over and I I always try and think about who's going to get all these extra possessions like that's one of the first things I look at is turnover percentage and then offensive rebounding like will you get more shots than your opponent um particularly I think if you're the lesser team I, I want to see you get more shots. And if, you, if you're the better team and you're going to get more shots, that's when I'm looking at a blowout. Uh, Cincinnati's definitely not the better team. They have a problem hanging on to the ball, and Iowa State is going to turn them over. But Cincinnati's also a very good offensive rebounding team. My question is, where's Cincinnati's points going to come from? Uh, it's hardest to score against Iowa State inside and Cincinnati's just a bad three-point shooting team. So I'm not sure where their points for, come from. Um, you know, watching Iowa State, this, and I had some some money on Iowa State against TCU, and as I watched that game, I was like, man, why have I not backed this team more often? They are very good, but also a team that I don't typically get excited about betting away from home. Um, what gives in this matchup, Griffin? Like, I, I think you and I agree on Cincinnati for the most part that they're – like Ken Palm has them 32nd in the country. I I can't picture a world where Cincinnati's the 32nd best team. Like I don't yeah. think much of this team. Uh they're sitting at 4 and 6 in conference play. I don't like them, but I don't know that I'm rushing to bet on Iowa State away from Hilton. What do you what do you see in this one? Yeah, I feel like Iowa State have been really tough for me to kind of pin down. At home, I think I can generally figure out what they're going to do or how they'll perform, but they've gotten a fair amount of pretty strong lines on the road and have lived up to a lot of those expectations. I mean, I just lost fading them with my alma mater, who I usually am a a fader rather than a player of of Texas basketball, but they went there and, and 
literally swallowed a Texas uh, basketball team that was coming off a confidence building win at TCU um, and were unable. I don't think they made a three until there's like just some change left in the game as they were fighting back, realizing like they need some buckets. Um, I think you pointed to it. Turnovers are a big deal in this game. Honestly, it's like the one crippling thing in college basketball that you can't really survive. Uh, looking at Cincinnati, I mean, their first year in the Big 12, it's been a big step up for them in terms of uh, conferences and venues and just a lot of really well-built teams. Uh, I think really even a pick here, I think I'm actually not looking towards the home team because I just feel like I'm ready to throw the towel in about fading Iowa State. I think their offense and their numbers don't look great, but they make up for that with how well their defense plays and the easy buckets they're able to get makes their – kind of woeful at times offense just looked that much more capable. Their freshman mom Chilovich is uh, an incredible go-to scorer. And I'm not sure I've seen a lot of freshmen. Yes, he's tall. Uh, I can shoot over his defenders a lot, but I'm not really sure I've seen offenses built around a freshman, like swing man, uh, kind of standstill shooter, like Iowa state has done. And they, it's almost like he's the perfect player for what they need. Uh, I think it's going to be a really tough environment. I think Cincinnati will get a ton of points from their home crowd and make it a lot tougher on Iowa State and probably are never dead in this game because even if they fall behind, Iowa State's going to have to get ready to take a bunch of punches from the players and also, uh, I guess, not a zip them up reference, but also from the crowd as well. And I feel like Cincy is uh, just not on the same level of Iowa State, and I don't know the crowd's going to be enough to put them there. Certainly could win this game, and I'm probably not advocating a play on Iowa State, but I am trying to be a little bit more cautious about about fading certain teams. And I think Iowa State are in that conversation of one of those teams that I think outperform their metrics. OK, so looks like we uh, generally agree on that one. Let's go to the SEC, Griffin, where, as you know, hmm. it just means more. Um, and this is a big spread, but I find it an interesting game. South Carolina is at Auburn. We're going to project Auburn is about nine and a half, ten point favorite here at home. Um, Auburn is coming off, um, a game at Florida this weekend where this was the Auburn team that everyone has kind of been expecting to show up because everybody's like, well, they're, the record's good, but their metrics say that there's some regression coming and boy, was there regression, uh, at the swamp. Um, the question is now, and, and we saw this team just absolutely hammer Alabama at home last week. Does that home court mojo come back? Uh, they've not lost a game at home this season. I, I mean, most of their games at home are not even competitive. They, they've been dominant. I'm trying to think of a game where they were even pushed at home, and I'm, I'm kind of struggling. So um, is, is this another home smash spot, another double-digit home win for the Tigers, or are we looking at this Gamecocks team that has – Won seven straight games now, uh, and that includes wins at Tennessee. Uh, it includes a home win over Kentucky, a, a dominant home win over Kentucky. It seems like this team is is playing some really good ball right now. Are they the kind of team you think that can go on the road and and give the Tigers some trouble? Uh, so I am very tempted by a number in the double digit range. As we've talked about a lot on this show, if you're betting road teams, then you kind of want them in this range as opposed to the five to six range, because you're really going to be fighting fouls and trying to dodge kind of end the game on a three point shot at the buzzer and just hope there's not a make with too much time left for a foul type of thing. 
But when you get to nine and a half to 10, that's usually where I think based on the net system, I think a close loss is deemed as nine points or less. So a lot of times coaches stop fouling at nine and you see the like taking a shot clock violation and stuff like that at the end as like kind of a charity courtesy thing just to not run up the score and the other team does it the other way. Um, I, I think that puts me in a little bit of a danger zone because I'm really trying not to play against Auburn at home in the jungle. They are awesome there, as you've mentioned. No close wins. They've blown everybody out, covered the spread probably against everybody unless Vanderbilt was somehow getting 27 and a half points, which I don't think it was that high in conference. But um, ultimately, Auburn, I think I was kind of waiting for their comeback uh, on the road at Florida this weekend. Uh, Florida was one of my bets, and they – um, got off to a good start and kind of held on. But I was like, I've seen this movie before. Mississippi just had the same type of collapse in their last game. But uh, Auburn wasn't really able to muster it. And I feel like I'm not sure how much Patrick Young has done on games, but he's usually in the SEC's network studios. He was commenting on Auburn looking tired, which is kind of weird to me and, and didn't really seem like that was a realistic situation because they basically play Saturday, Wednesday every week. Um, going back a long time now looking at their schedule. Um, I'm not sure what that all says. I don't think fatigue will be an issue here. They should have an incredible home crowd behind them, especially for a highly ranked South Carolina team coming in, which that'll probably be one of the bigger spreads between two potentially top 15 teams that are playing each other. Um, seeing double digits will feel really weird and I think might be the potentially popular side here, but just especially after Auburn got smacked on the road in Gainesville. Um, I, I think I'm interested in South Carolina because I think they're better than a lot of what the, I mean, it took them forever to get ranked. They had to beat or win two road games at Tennessee and at Georgia in the same week to even get in the, it, on the ballots and, and into the top 25. But then they went from unranked to 15th, which was such a jump. Um, I'm not really sure they're this good. So I'm wondering kind of what the level South Carolina is. What they've seen to me is be a, a pretty solid defense. A lot Paris is a good coach um, has built kind of, himself up from the ground at, at other smaller schools and kind of risen his way up rather than just using his name value and being a Miami Heat assistant like Juwan Howard did. Um, and I feel like in this South Carolina example, I've liked them for a while. I was kind of more curious about them than actually putting my money where my mouth was. I think I haven't really, unfortunately gotten or made enough money from that really that feeling I, I backed them at home against Mississippi, but that was a game that was tighter than it should have been. And they were able to kind of, escape with a push rather than covering a spread that I thought I deserved the money from. But yeah. um, I'm, I'm very tempted to see what South Carolina does here. Cause this is going to be one of the most in, I mean, they, they want it in Knoxville. So it's hard to say this is going to be a tougher environment, but I think it might be slightly, uh, but that's a big number. So if I had to pick one, I'll go South Carolina here. Uh, but I'm going to be doing a lot of soul searching to see if I can avoid it. All right, uh, we are to the best bets portion of the segment. I've been actually bouncing around on my best bet. I think I've settled on one. Uh, before we get into those, though, Griffin, tell the people how they can save some money at pregame. Yeah, you got to use – so I, I think I addressed this on Thursday's podcast. We had some interesting names here and in what we're using. But I guess we're going with a Bo Ryan swing offense potentially here. So we're going swing 15 um, you know, just a lot of cutting, low turnovers, and trying your best to uh, grind the, I think, what was a 35-second shot clock, now is 30. So use the promo code SWING15, get for $15 off for all listeners of this college basketball podcast, but only for you, and we get some credit for you use it, so please make sure you throw that in there when you buy season-long packages. We have the rest of, we have, I think we have, like, timelines. We also have the rest of seasons. We have season, like, 
all the 2024s out there as well. So go find what works for you. Save $15, uh, $15 cash using the promo code SWING, like a golf swing or a swing offense, 15. Swing 15, good for seven days from the podcast release. But don't wait. We're, we're putting picks out every night. We're adding a ton to your bottom lines. I'm up over 30 units this season and uh, trying to keep that going. So throw that in there. Swing 15 and uh, save some money. Yeah, it's been a a good season for both of us. Um, current season for me at pregame.com is I'm I'm up thirty six plus units. Hell yeah. Um I'm at fifty three and a half percent, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it, I feel like I'm uh, I'm winning when it counts. So uh, those those big plays coming through, huh? Those are coming through. So it's been a, a good season over at pregame. So yeah, always uh, check that out. I have kind of bounced back and forth, and uh, I. If I ask you, I know which side you will take. Um, <laughs> I'm either looking at a, a a big favorite or a big dog here, and I feel like I've had some success with the big favorites. So I'm going to go that way again, and I'm not sure where the bottom is for this DePaul team. They're not a real basketball team. Um, <laughs> they are currently 300 in Ken Palm, which if the season ended today, this would be – the lowest power conference finish, like a, a a major conference finish for a team in the history of Ken Palm. I, I, it's like it, it's as bad as it can possibly be right now. Uh, to put that into perspective, Louisville is 164th, and DePaul is 300th. There are over half the teams in the Southwest Athletic Conference are ranked higher than than this DePaul team. Ouch. That's how bad things Ouch. have gotten. Ouch. Um, their last home game to Xavier, they lost by 25. Before that, they lost at home to Seton Hall by 33. Um, they have a 38-point home loss to Providence, a 26-point home loss to Creighton on their schedule this year, and a 36-point home loss to Villanova all in conference, and now we're projecting them at about a 24-point dog at home to Connecticut, the best team in the conference. And what we learned about Connecticut over the weekend is they are more than willing to embarrass a bad team on the road, and they did that to the Georgetown Hoyas this weekend, uh, beating them 89-64. to And I think they do the same thing here. I, I think UConn is, is kind of – styling right now they've got the longest win streak in the country uh they seem to be playing about the best ball that they've been playing all year and everybody's healthy you know donovan Klingon is out on the floor and making an impact and as long as he's out there this is the kind of these are the kind of games that they're just going to roll in um you know their only losses this season have been on the road but that was at seton hall uh the first conference game of the season and of course at fog which is pretty uh excusable but for the most part in recent history like they they dominated at st john's a couple weekends ago um they they won that game at nova they they've they've got road wins at butler and xavier this is a team that's battle tested they can win on the road and they are more than happy to blow out bad teams and i think they do that here so uh give me the give me the yukon huskies uh to smash the corpse of the paul who just, I mean, the coach change, nothing's mattered for this team. They they don't want to be around. They don't want to finish this season. 
Uh, nobody's showing up at these games, and I, I think for good reason. They're not they're not looking to see this. I don't think fans are going to show up looking to see UConn blast this team. So uh, give me the Huskies. We'll pro- Ken Palm has it at 23. I, I would probably project it at 24, 25. So any, anything in that, uh, it, it's a massive favorite. So just kind of check the lines on game day. But I, I think that they, uh, they handled them pretty easily. Well, uh, the nice thing about laying that many points is you know I'll never be on it. So we wouldn't have never. to have a risk of a double best bet. But, because, <laughs> um, I mean, that could go well if we both won. But, you know, there's a lot of risk in that. And I think the, the saddest part to me is that, that Paul ended up firing Tony's double field and took him off the, the floor. So some really, really sad head assistant has to take all these losses on. And, and Tony Stubblefield should be the one paying for this record right now, but he's he's free and clear now. He's got probably getting a check and uh, not even having to go to work. It's kind of not my problem. Nice setup. Yeah, exactly. You take those losses on your permanent record. Uh, for my best bet, I'm actually staying in the Big East as well. We might as, we, as well be the Big East podcast here on RJ Bell's Dream Preview, uh, straight out of Vegas edition. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to stay in that same conference. I'm going to go with the Providence Friars. AJ projected a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home to St. John's. Um, I think Providence is kind of molded into this team that is impaired without Bryce Hopkins. Unfortunately, Donald's All-American and probably their best pro prospect. But Devin Carter is certainly stepping out there and trying to show that uh, – it's not. It was not a one-man team. His ability to make shots really saved a game that they end up winning in overtime at Creighton, and uh, they've looked good to me. Tough loss on the road at Butler this weekend, but to me, I feel like Providence has almost they've like scabbed over that wound essentially, as gross as that might sound. And I feel like at home with a return for Rick Pitino, who uh, there were some rumors that he would come back to Providence when Ed Cooley was leaving. Uh, but did not happen. I think there's some extra motivation still in Providence ever since Rick Pitino ended up leaving Providence, I think, for Kentucky way back when. But um, maybe that was when he went to the next. Anyway, long story short, I I like Providence given two and a half points. I feel like anything will play up to four, but it should be probably a small favorite. They're about to pick them right now at Torvik. So um, might see a number within that three, and that's what I'd be mostly looking for. Would grab as soon as I see a minus three or better. I just think St. John's—they're a, a decent team, but I think Patino needs a little bit more time to truly really build a more deeper roster. And uh, I think we've seen great things from Odoro inside, who I think can battle with Soriano. And uh, if St. John's is not getting easy buckets inside, I think they're going to have trouble hanging on the road. So take Providence minus two and a half, and throw that in there with a uh, UConn parlay. I do have all sort of things and uh, hopefully get another two and oh to get two in a row yeah I uh I, I like this one too um I was a St. John's buyer um early in the season and and they they did me well and um they've not been the same team over the last month or so they you know they've they've lost six of their last eight their two wins one was home against Villanova which I've talked about I don't trust Villanova at all and one was home against DePaul which I just said isn't a real win so um there's really some uh, some warts starting to show on this team, particularly on the road. Uh, they they were not competitive at Seton Hall. They they weren't competitive this weekend at Marquette. So I, I do think this team on the road is not one I'm looking to back. So I, I think we're we're maybe still getting a little bit of value fading St. John's because of the hot start that they had. And because people remember that game back before Christmas where they almost won at UConn and it was like, ooh, Maybe this team's got something. I, I'm not sure that they're that same team right now. And 
you can coach guys up so much. And, and I do think Patino's done a great job with this team, but at some point you need better players and they've got good players, just not win the big East type of players. So mm-hmm. um, I, I'm with you. I, I think this is a good spot for Providence who um, is in need of a win. You know, that, that, that win against Creighton, like you said, was a nice win. They, they really needed that one. Uh, so getting that in OT was good, but I, I think this is a conference right now where nobody in the middle of this conference can afford home losses, and that inc- that includes Providence. Uh, so I think you get a good effort from the Friars, and uh, yeah, I, I think they get this win here. So I think there's also a little bit of benefit too, because this is a second matchup of these teams. St. John's had a huge lead and then barely hung on for dear yeah. life, essentially at the end. And I, I like getting teams that have lost, but were hanging in games, or in this case, I mean, I don't love it. They fell behind big early, but just having already seen a team before, switching venues with a probably an expected road loss is basically my kind of going into all these games when I'm handicapping them now. Uh, but getting it into the dunk or whatever we're calling Amika or whatever it's called now, uh, it's going to be a tough thing. I think St. John's looked like a team to me on neutral floors or at home are ones to potentially back because they play a good tournament style of putting a lot of pressure on forcing turnovers. I just don't think they're good enough. I think, as you mentioned, and uh, I think they're potentially a team that we look to in the big East tournament or at home, but uh, we still got a while till that happens. So I'm looking to back, uh, especially a good Providence team that I think have figured out a way to play without their most talented player. All right, that is going to do it for this episode, guys. Hope you enjoy the week of college hoops. Uh, I will be out on Thursday. Griffin and Sleepy are going to take the wheel. Uh, there will be a Thursday episode for the weekend. I'll try maybe throw a uh, throw a best bet you guys way, but only if I win this Please best do. bet. If I don't win this <laughs> best bet, I'm just going to go into hiding until next. Going weekend. on strike, baby. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But I, I mean, if I got a chance to hit another one, I'm that would be a, I'd be on a nice little streak all of a sudden, and I'd have to throw something out there. So I'll do my best. Uh, Griffin, appreciate it as always. Thanks to all you guys for always tuning in and listening. The pod got up late uh, over the weekend, and people were like, "Where's the pod?" That made me feel good. It made me feel good that the uh, that the people were clamoring for it. So, uh, and it also makes me feel good. The one that they were clamoring for, it gave them a two and zero best bet record. So I always uh, I always like that. Uh, like I said, the guys will be back on Thursday covering up the weekend games. Griffin, great job as always. And um, we will talk to you guys soon. Best of luck out there.